Torah told us in last week's parish if someone damages his friend, obviously there's some um, a number of payments that he's obligated to make. One of them is uh, repo. He's obligated to pay for his medical bill. In that context, the pasuk says, "Rak shiv toyitain, rapay He has to pay him for uh, compensate him for his lost wages and his medical expenses. And the Gemara comments on that pasuk, "Rapay rapay, he shall surely uh, heal him." The mikanshin didn't know rishus the right for the rapay. So from here we derive that there's permission. License for a doctor to heal his patients. Taisvis already asks, why would I have thought that there is a prohibition that he's prescribed from healing his patients? So the way Taisvis phrases it, why do I need a double lotion? Once uh, Virapo would have been enough. What is Virapo Yurapay? The double lotion. He shall surely heal his patients. But one could have asked more broadly, why would I have thought that he's not allowed to heal his patients um, at all uh, in the first place that I need a Pasuk to permit it? So Taisvis provides a theological response that it is because um, this Pasuk is presumably dealing not only with injury, which was, came at the hands of man, um, but presumably illness as well, that the doctor is also permitted to treat his patients. But illness um, is perhaps, you know, directly, uh, or, or it is directly, you know, uh, uh, inflicted upon a person because of the Ratzin of HaKadosh Baruch because of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's running of the world and his uh, involvement in every person's life. And therefore, when the doctor treats the patient, to a certain degree, he's contravening the involvement and the perhaps the will of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and therefore I might have thought that the doctor is is not permitted to treat the patient and kind of contradict um, uh, or uh, prevent the exerv of Hakadosh Baruch Hu from being fulfilled, and that's why the pasuk had to tell us no, that it is in fact permitted for the doctor to treat his patient. What is the implication, then, of that conclusion, that he is permitted to treat his patient? Tosis doesn't give you the theological implication of the conclusion, only of the, <coughs> the Havamin, of what I would have thought. But it seems to me that the conclusion of Tosis is that just like a Kaddish Baruch Hu saw to that this person should become ill for whatever reason, Kaddish Baruch Hu is also guiding the hand of the doctor in healing the patient. That exactly is the Gzeira. Uh, or part of the, you know, the, 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 the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as it relates to this individual. We've commented before in the past that perhaps that uh, could explain the observation that's made by Rabbeinu Bachya on last week's parasha where he notes that whenever the Torah refers to refuah that comes through the hands of man, there's a dugage in the middle of the pay. Virapo yirapay. It's a, it's a hard pay. However, whenever the Torah refers to um, a refuah that's brought through the hands of a Kaddish Baruch without the involvement of man, so then it is a soft pay. Refeinu Hashem v'nei rafei, harofei l'shvurei leiv. Or the Pesach that we had earlier in Sefer Shmos, ki ani Hashem roifecha, I'm a Kaddish Baruch your healer. So it's always without a dugish. So Ben Abachi explains, and we'll get to this point in a minute, Ben Abachi explains, because whenever refuah comes to the hands of man, there's always side effects. There's always unintended, you know, result. There's fallout. There's rehabilitation. So there's some pain that comes, comes along uh, inevitably with the refuah that's brought, uh, that's precipitated by a human being. Whenever it comes to a Kaddish Baruch there is no dugage. There are no side effects. There are no unintended consequences and things like that. Rehabilitation that's necessary. A person becomes, you know, better immediately and in entirely painless fashion. However, perhaps we could suggest, you know, that the reason why there's a dugage in the middle of the pay whenever a human being is involved is in order to remind the doctor that he's just a dot. He's just a cog in the machine that ultimately is being run by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And while it seems like he is doing something that's substantial, and he is, he certainly is, he's really acting as the shliach, as the emissary of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is really the one who is providing the refu. And in that sense, the, you know, the, the doctor has to remind himself of his, of his that's my own explanation, has to remind himself of his own role in the refu of the, you know, that's being provided by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Ramban addresses the same question that was raised by Taisviz, but provides somewhat of a different answer. The Ramban and the Teres HaOdom 
which is quoted on you know every page in, in Yeradea, certain sections of Yeridea. So the Ramban and the Torah said, oh, the man asked the same question as Pesis. Why would I have thought that the doctor is not permitted to heal his patients such that the Torah had to say, but I'll pay you, I'll pay to give license to the doctor to treat his patients. So Ramban explains, because the doctor or potential healer might say, Mali why do I want to get involved? Shema etev and imseisi horig nefoshas b'shoigeg. Maybe I'll get involved and I will, as, you know, as uh, the Hippocratic Oath goes, he'll do more harm than good. You know, the first rule of uh, medicine is not to do harm. And he'll turn out doing something who will end up harming the patient um, by accident. And why would he want to get involved in that kind of responsibility? And therefore the Torah um, goes out of its way to say, the Torah gives license to the doctor to heal and encourages him to do so, and provides, says the Ramban in the third line, if he does as is he is supposed to, I mean, if he acts as is appropriate, according to his best estimation, so then all he has is the mitzvah of refuah, and he doesn't have to necessarily be concerned with the consequences. And this applies to any doctor who practices medicine faithfully, you know, to the best uh, you know, knowledge that medicine has at the time, to his uh, best of his abilities, so the Ramban seems to imply that he is free from any kind of responsibility if, uh, you know, there are, you know, there is fallout, there is side effects, there are consequences that are somewhat painful, and sometimes, by the way, what is a classic and, and traditional and accepted protocol as it relates to this kind of illness, by some people will work, by other people will not work. There are side effects to every medication, every therapy, and every procedure, and the Ramban here provides that if the doctor practices medicine to the best of his ability, um, um, and according to accepted protocol, of the time, obviously protocols change as we, you know, as the medicine and our knowledge of the body and you know and and less kinds of therapies changes and develops and evolves. We will then progress. But if a person practices medicine according to the best knowledge and his abilities with the knowledge that we have at the time, so then the the Torah gives him license to do so, and he doesn't necessarily have to be concerned with the consequences. However, you know. This is only if he doesn't make a mistake. If he does, as is, you know, the accepted protocol with regards to this illness, or this situation, and he does so to the best of his abilities. If he is uh, lacking in this area, or he makes a mistake, or he doesn't do so, and it's the accepted protocol, so then the Ramban doesn't provide him any kind of protection, and it sounds like he might actually be obligated. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning, is what is his responsibility if he makes a mistake. If he does, as is accepted, and there are, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, there are side effects to every medication, every therapy, that's not the concern of the doctor. However, you should inform the patient about them, but that's not necessarily his responsibility. However, if he makes a mistake, or he veers from what is the accepted protocol, so then he might bear some, uh, some he, then, then he would bear responsibility. Oftentimes, these cases, just as a, a parenthetical statement, these cases don't don't come before a Beisden. Even though they are actionable, some of the cases will be actionable in Beisden. They typically don't come before a Beisden, at least in the United States. I can't speak for it. So, typically don't come before a Beisden here. Why not? Because every doctor who practices medicine today has a um, has a malpractice insurance. And the patient, if they are a victim of malpractice, will sue the doctor, but it will really be the responsibility of the insurance company. So even though two Jews who have a litigation, who have a, a monetary dispute, have to come before a Beisden, if one of the parties is not Jewish, they're under no responsibility necessarily to come um, to a basin. So if you're suing an insurance company, which is not necessarily going to be treated as a, 
either majority non-Jewish uh, shareholders or even it's a company which is always treated as a third entity, not Jewish, not non-Jewish, but a third entity. So then if a person is suing the insurance company and the liability or the responsibility is going to be covered entirely by the insurance company, so then you don't have to go to Bayesian, you would go to a secular court. I've heard of cases where the insurance company prefers to go to Bayesian because they know they have a better case in Bayesian than they would in secular court. That's a rare instance. Oh, it's interesting. But, and there's a malpractice insurance has a deductible? No. I don't believe that. No. But a general? No. no, but that wouldn't be a litigation. Deductibles are for services, not for litigation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't think there's a deductible in malpractice. Can I ask a question? What's the yeah. responsibility of the doctor? So, Mahabdil, I'd say, you know, the judges, mm. there was this pyramid, right? Mm. The, you know, one for ten, one for a hundred and then you just kept on raising it. So not all doctors are at the same levels, right? So if a patient comes to you, is it your obligation to say, listen, I'm not good at that, go to this person? Yes, but what goes to a surgeon, even more important. Yes. And that surgeon's really not an expert, he's at a local hospital, knows at the bigger hospital. What's that person's Excellent point. We'll get to it in a minute, I, I promise. Excellent point, fantastic. So they usually don't come before a basin, they usually end up in a secular court, and rightfully, rightfully so. The Gemara, though, does treat this issue of malpractice in three different areas, because they're really three different discussions. There's a one discussion of malpractice as it relates to judges. That's found in the Gemara Mishnah Sanhedrin, the Sugi of Tov, Bashiko Adas, or Tov B'Dvar Mishnah. What is the responsibility of a judge who makes a mistake in that setting? There's another Sugi in the Gemara Mishnah Sanhedrin that has to do with a craftsman or a professional malpractice who is given an item to work on and he makes a mistake. Um, uh, uh, you know, what, what is his responsibility or liability in that setting? However, the Gemara never addresses medical malpractice um, you know, in the text of the Gemara, but we do find it a number of times in the Toisefta, once in Makkas, twice in Babakam, and a third time in Masefta's Gin. A lot of the work of figuring out the Sugi malpractice has to do with shtimming, has to do with uh, figuring out how all of these Toiseftas uh, fit together. It is interesting that the whole discussion is found only in the Tosefta. However, uh, the discussion begins with the Gemara Masefta's Makkas, a Mishnah Makkas over here, Ois Gimel, where the Mishnah says, comes in a possibility in Parsha Shaftim that if a person is chopping wood in the forest and the blade of the axe goes flying and by accident uh, kills uh, bystanders, then of course the person is, uh, bears some responsibility, even though it was inadvertent, it was an accident, and he has to go into Gullus. He has to go into exile, and the Goyo Hadam can kill him before he gets there or if he leaves from the Ir Mikla. However, the Mishnah comments to Mesechlis Makkas, this is only a person who's chopping wood in the forest, which is a Dvar Rishus. It's not a mitzvah. But if he would be engaged in a mitzvah, like Ha'av HaMakas Benoi, when it was accepted that the best way to educate children was to hit the children, harav haraydes talmidai, not so long ago when the rebbeim would hit the talmidim, they thought that was the best form of education, and a shliach beizdin, a person who's administering malchus to a uh, inmate, to a person who has been convicted of malchus, and the the either the child or the you know the the talmid or the you know the the per- person who's uh, who's deserving of malchus. Uh, dies because of the, uh, you know, dies because of what uh, occurred, so then they bear no responsibility, they are not considered to be a Rosheach B'Shoigig, and they do not have to go into ghost because the person is engaged in a mitzvah. However, the Toisefta in Marcus, over here, is Dawid, says that a doctor who's treating his patients and accidentally kills the patient, he does have to go into Golos. And the problem is, 
the Mishnah said, whoever's engaged in a mitzvah, not a devourer of shuls, like a guy who's chopping wood in the forest. So then he doesn't bear any responsibility because he was engaged in a mitzvah. The, the, you know, the child wasn't able to take the kind of punishment that he was giving, even though other children were able to withstand it. This child wasn't able to. So with an accident, normally on any of the circumstances, we bear responsibility to be considered a Rosh Because he's engaged in a mitzvah, he's not, he's not considered to be a Rosh Over here, the doctor treating the patient is considered to be a Rosh Hashayag and would have to go to the Amiklut. It's, it's similar to Tavid Bar Mitzvah, but not, not exactly the same. But over here, why is the doctor considered to be uh, you know, a Rosh if after all he was engaged in the mitzvah? So there is an explanation suggesting the truth is Bissamim Rosh, which is always... Uh, uh, which you know, is of somewhat dubious origins. It's usually attributed to the rush, but others uh, dispute that. Uh, dispute that. Uh, that. Uh, that that's, that's speculation. They don't believe that it actually is the rush. Yeah, they think it was a forgery. So, but in the Chuvas, but some in rush, he suggests a fascinating distinction, which I don't think is true, um, which would fit with the genre of the some in rush. But he suggests no, it's because a father, a rebbe, or a court officer who's administering punishment. And you know the person's under their care uh, succumbs, um, but in the end of the day, they're considered to be doing a mitzvah because they were doing chinuch, they were teaching talmidim, they were administering malchus. They, the mitzvah is still there. If a person is a doctor and he treats the patient such that the patient succumbs to the therapy, you know they don't make it out. Then is he a doctor anymore? Meaning, can we call him a doctor if he treated the patient in a way that was not helpful, that was harmful? Which is remindful. I think Plato has some sort of comment that the moment that a doctor. Um, makes a mistake in the treating of his patient, is he any longer considered to be a doctor? Maybe he loses his title as a physician because he wasn't healing the patient. In fact, he harmed the patient. The whole distinction, uh, I think, lacks a little bit, a little bit of explanation, consistency, because it's true the designations remain, you know, but the doctor's designation should also remain, even though he failed to treat the patient successfully here. And how can you really call it a mitzvah if you uh, killed the child or the student or the person receiving malchus in the process? I don't think the mitzvah remains either. So the whole distinction, I don't think, uh, bears out. However, the Birke Yosef, in his comments on the Shulchan Aruch, quotes the name of the Rekeach, a different distinction which is accepted by Reuv uh, HaAchreinim. The Shulchan Aruch over here, the fourth line of Oisei, quotes this halacha. It's interesting that it appears in Shulchan Aruch, and he felt the need to quote it, but the Imhamis, if a doctor kills the patient by accident, he finds out about it, he's considered to be a Reitzeh Hoshegeg, and he would have to run uh, to the Ir Mikvah. So the Birke Yosef asks, but why? Why is this any different than the Mishnah Misachlis Makas that Harav Makas Benoi, Harav Makas Benoi, Harav Aredes Talmidoi, the Shliach Beizdin, um, who are trying to educate the child or educate the Talmud or administer Malchus, if they accident kill them, they're not considered to be a Rosh because they're engaged in a mitzvah. In, uh, huh? There must have been a lot of doctors in, 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 uh, in Mutzmogot, in here <laughs> Okay. So the Birkei Yosef over here quotes the name of the, of the Rekeach on the third line of the Birkei Yosef. Rachash Libi, he says he thinks that the answer is that over here we're talking about where the doctor made a mistake. See, there we're talking about a father who was, uh, you know, being mechanic his child according to accepted protocol. The, the, the Rebbe was teaching all the Talmudim just the same. This person has ministered Malchus many times, and this individual succumbed to, uh, you know, to the, to, to, to the Malchus. Over here, though, we're talking about a doctor who made a mistake. It's a different uh, scenario, a different case. And if the doctor makes a mistake, then he would bear responsibility. And that's the way that it's been interpreted by Reuv HaChreinim, is that if the doctor made a mistake, so then he's considered to be a Reitzach B'Shegeg, but if he administered medicine as it was supposed to be administered to 
the best of his ability, then he would not be considered to be a Rotech Pashegik. This oh, is quoted. His fa- father cares yeah. and Rebbe cares about the Talmud. They're trying to help because they care about them. So we're not that's even having Ava mean it to think they would do anything. Okay. That's a, that's a, that's no, but, 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 but this guy, he's careless. He's a doctor, but he's being careless. I don't know about Obviously. I'm not calling all doctors careless. I'm not no, calling no, all so parents. I understand. The book over here, the Yarek Hashokan over here, I said, Gimel, two lines from the bottom, the Yarek Hashokan quotes this shot from the Birka. If the doctor was lazy or he wasn't as attentive as he should have been, then he's considered to be a Rotech Peshogim and would have to go into Gullus. But if he was attentive, if he was not lazy, he administered medicine to the best of his ability, so then he would not be considered to be a Rotech Peshogim. Okay? That's with regards to if the patient succumbs. However, let's say he, you know, and, and there the distinction would be if he, you know, made a mistake, he would be a Rotech Peshogim. If he didn't make a mistake, so then even if it had unfortunate consequences, he would not bear any kind of responsibility. But let's move over to the sugar of injuries, which is a little bit uh, somewhat different. There we have um, what should have been, should have been, is if a doctor harms a patient, the person should have been liable. Usually, the rule is, the Gemara says in the Sanhedrin, a person is always considered to be forewarned as it relates to injuring other people, and therefore, if he injures them, whether it's b'shegeg or mezid, whether it is um, intentional or, or inadvertent, whether it's complete accident or was knowing, you know, was with uh, malintent, a person bears the same kind of responsibility. Adam muad li'olam. Even if it was an accident. Even if it was an accident. Taisus raises a contradiction. That's talking about Ritzicha. Ritzicha. Ritzicha, you're not responsible if it was a complete accident. Uh, well, you would be, right? You'd be a Ritzicha Peshoika unless you administered medicine properly and then you're provided with certain protections. But if, because you're engaged in a mitzvah, right? But in general, if you kill a person by Peshoika, even if it's, you know, if it's, you know, a mistake, an honest mistake, you would go. You would be a rotech b'shogeg, right? You have to run to your mikvah. If it's a complete onus, then you might be exempt. As it relates though to chavala, as it relates to causing injury, you are responsible whether it's b'shogeg, whether it's b'onus. That's what it seems to be. Killing, killing a whole separate suga. Let's say because we know that father will never kill son, so we know for sure that uh, father is really. Uh, really? Yeah. I don't know. Okay, 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 okay. It's okay. Not true, but it says. Okay, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin over here that other Muli, other person is responsible for damages he causes, even bonus. Tosis raised a contradiction though from Gemara Baba Kama over here. Zion. The Gemara says Baba Kama that if Chacham puts his entire china set out in the middle of the road and someone else is driving down the road and he drives over his china set. So then the person is not responsible for the damage that happened with the China set. So, so the Gemara asks, why not? But he should have been more careful. So the Gemara says, no, it's talking about at night. He couldn't, he wasn't able to see the person in the middle of the night in the pitch dark, you know, puts out his uh, crystal set in the middle of the road, leaving no room for anybody to maneuver around it, and someone drives over it. So then at that point, the person is not considered to be responsible. But Tayas Tayas says, why not? Other A person is responsible for any damage he causes, even if it's a complete accident. So Tyson says, no, clearly there are two categories of Inus. There is an accident, and then there's accidents. He's like, there's an accident that was preventable, and there's an accident simply entirely preventable. What Tyson calls an Inus Gomer. Inus Gomer, Loi Rabbi Rachmana. In that situation, person is not responsible. Tyson proves it from another Yushalmi. The Yushalmi says if a person goes to sleep, someone else comes down and lies down next to him. After he's already sleeping, and the guy, you know, smacks him while he's sleeping, so then the Yushami says he's potter for many damages that are caused. Taisa says, why? Why is he potter? Other more a person responsible for all of his actions, even if it was a complete onus. So Taisa says, no, because the guy came and he put, you know, slept next to me after I was sleeping already. I had no possible way of 
you know, positioning myself or being aware that you were even there because he was sleeping when the person came and lied down next to him. So Taisus says, an oinus gomer, a person is completely exempt. The Ramban disagrees with Taisus, and he argues a person is obligated in all situations of oinus. Those two situations where he's potter, even if it's an oinus gomer, the Ramban holds your chayv. Over these two situations where he's potter are slightly <coughs> different because there there was contributing negligence. The person put their china and their, you know, their, 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 their stemware set out in the middle of the road. That, that's a, an act of negligence. Or a person comes and he goes to sleep next to someone who's already sleeping. You are negligent. So since there was contributing negligence, then the person is taught her for the damages that occur. But without, you know, absent any kind of contributing negligence, the person would be responsible for all of his actions, whether it was Ba'inus, whether it was Baratsan, even if it was an Ainus uh, Gomer. The Rambam has a third sheet over here, and there is somewhat of a difference. The Rambam seems to go along the lines of Tysus, but it's, 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 it's actually different. The Rambam writes over here, um, on the sheet. A person who damages someone else, even if it was Ba'inus, he's obligated. But yet the Rambam continues in Allah Dawid, he's climbing a ladder, and one of the legs gives way, he falls down, he does damage. If the leg was loose already, so then he's Chayev, because he should have been more careful. Let's say the ladder was a good ladder, he just bought it from the hardware store, it was perfect. Something happened entirely, you know, beyond their control. Then he's potter, because this is considered to be an act of heaven. Yeah, but the Rambam already said a person is chayv under all sets of inus, all sets of accidents. So one might be tempted to suggest the Rambam subscribes to Tyson's distinction. There's inus and there's inus, there's accidents and then there's accidents. And this is an accident that's completely beyond his control. Other achreinim, though, suggest within the Rambam a third approach. And that is that the Rambam believes that a person is obligated for all situations of hezek, of damage, even if it's a complete inus, but yet, the Raman believes that there is a, a, another principle which also has to be brought into the equation, and that is the general principle of Oynes Rachman Apatre. The Pasuk in Parashat Kisaita talks about a woman who's raped. Even if she's a married woman, she bears no responsibility. Um, and the Gemara explains because Oynes Rachman Apatre, things that are beyond your control. So then, even though an Avera occurred, or you know, Hezek occurred, it's completely beyond your control. So then a, pasuk, a person is part from all of the consequences. He bears no liability. Because Aynas Rahman Patre. So perhaps the Raman believes uh, in terms of halachos, of Nezek, you're responsible under all situations, even in Aynas Gomer. But then you have the other principle that you have to contend with, and that is the general principle of Aynas Rahman Patre. How is that different than Taisus' approach? So it might be different in terms of the following case. Whose responsibility is it to prove that there was an Aynas that occurred here? Whose responsibility is it to prove? So according to Taisvis, it sounds like a person's responsibility in terms of you know, damages that he uh, you know, is involved with has a limit. You're obligated to do everything you can to prevent uh, any kind of damage to come through your hand, but if it's an anus gum or it's beyond your control, then your responsibility ends. Your responsibility ends. According to the Rambam, no, you're responsible for all situations. Even if it's an anus gum or just there's a pator, there's a, a person is freed from liability because of another principle of Aynes Rahman Apatri. So then a difference might emerge as to whose responsibility is it to prove that there was an Aynes here. Because according to Tysus, the obligation doesn't begin in the first place. According to the Ram, there was an obligation, just you have an exemption from liability because of Aynes Rahman Apatri. So the Gemara has over here, Mesechtes Bavakama, Ois Tezvav, that if a person says, if a person says to somebody else, he says, I know there was a loan here, I'm not sure if I paid you back or not. So then, if you're not sure whether or not you paid him back, but you agree that there was an initial loan, you agree that there is a chiyuv, so then you might have to pay back, unless you, know, you can prove that uh, you, unless you can prove that it's already been paid. 
We don't say, Whoever wants to take the money, you want to take my money, prove that it's yours. The burden of proof is not over here on the, uh, on the, on the lender. The proof is on the borrower because the borrower acknowledges that there was an existing loan. He's just not sure whether or not it was paid back. If the person says, I'm not sure I ever borrowed from you, then the obligation is upon the lender to prove that the loan existed. So getting back over here to, uh, to our situation, according to Taisvis, a person would have to prove that, you know, the person bared some responsibility over here and it wasn't an Oynes Gamar and therefore the Mazik is Chayv. According to the Rambam, the burden of proof is not on the person uh, who was the Mazik. The burden of proof would be, uh, I'm sorry, the burden of proof would be not on the injured party to prove that there was, you know, an Oynes for which the Mazik is, is liable. The burden of proof would be upon the, uh, the one who caused the damage to prove that it was, an Oynes was beyond his control because there really is responsibility just as another exemption from liability because of the rule of Ayn's Rahman and Pajri. And uh, sometimes this plays out. Uh, Lamaisa, who exactly has the burden of proof? And we'll come back to that in, in one minute. But then, so generally speaking, Adam will the other, a person responsible for all of his actions and damages that he causes. However, the Taisefta addresses a doctor who causes damage in three places and says three different things each time. So over here, Ayn's one Taisefta in Baba Kama says, Haraife Uman Sharifa Birshus Bezdin. Haraife Uman, who's an expert, you know. And he is uh, administering medicine, Birshus Bezim, with the license of Bezim, Behizik, and he causes damage. So he's Potter in, uh, in uh, human courts, but he's obligated in the Bezim Shomayla. So he bears some responsibility, but it's not actionable down here. There's a t- now that's a problem. What happened? Other Mu'aliyam, a person is always responsible for his actions, you know, unless it's some sort of Oynes Gummer, but you know, under normal well, circumstances, he would be obligated. That was the Ramban said, yeah. So practice so, medicine so, carefully. But over here, he's, huh? What you're saying then, when you're a doctor that's being paid for, uh, and, and so, it's, so therefore it's not a mitzvah. So for example, you have a scenario where you have, you know, you have um, Oh, is it not? Why is it not a mitzvah? Because he's getting paid for it. He gets paid schabatola. No, no difference. A doctor who is treating patients, we assume, is being paid not to take another job. He's not being paid to heal patients. He should be paid the same as the rebbeim, because they're all being paid not to take another job. That's good Samaritan law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll come back. We'll come back to the good Samaritan in a second. Yeah, give me a second. Yeah, but are, the, being paid, you would think should figure into the calculations, but it doesn't because doctors are not paid to heal because they can't be paid for the mitzvah. They're paid not to take another job. Now these, they're very highly trained. So you have to pay them a lot of money not to take another job. Me, I'm not as highly trained, so you, you don't have to pay down. me as much money. <laughs> take another job. Um, but the Tosefta says over here in Baba Kama. Okay, hold cup over here. I should. The doctor who heals Bishus Bezim Potter Medina Yodam Vechayi Bedina Shemaim. So he's Potter down here, Chayiv up there. Well, again, we don't understand why. Usually, a person is responsible for any damage that he causes. Over here, Oisid Aleph, the Taisefta says, Arayfe again Sharifa Bishus Bezin. He has license for Bezin, and he does more than was you know was 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 demanded. Then he's Chayiv. But generally speaking, if he doesn't do more Min Haroi, more than was appropriate, we'll come back to that also. The Hizik Potter, then he's exe- You know, he's entirely exempt. So he over here is not. There is no, you know, uh, obligation that's mentioned unless the person did more than was than was uh, necessary. Over here, or, or appropriate. Over here, the Tosefta says in Mesechta Gein that a rifa sharipa b'shus beizim v'hizik b'shaygeg poter mipnei tikuna olam. He b'shayg he's poter because of tikuna olam, because of some sort of social benefit 
that exists. So our Sameach has a sheer quality over here on these three Toiseftas, or Sameach, Nochaz, Mazik, and he puts them all together and he explains what, what, you know, how they all fit together. And he explains, normally it should have been a person is obligated for any damage that he causes, Adam, Muad, Riyalam. Um, even if it's an oinus. However, as was noted, no one will ever want to be a doctor because of the liability that exists. Now, if he heals according to protocol and to the best of his ability, and he doesn't make any mistake, and sometimes unfortunate things happen, he bears no responsibility in the first place. That was the Ramban. He's you know, administering medicine as he should have. But every doctor knows, sometimes in every profession, we all have good days, we all have bad days. Sometimes he might not be as attentive as he should have. He might not be paying, you know, be as careful. And sometimes mistakes are made, but no one wants that kind of responsibility. So in order to encourage people to become doctors, we establish when they tikkun ha'olam, for the benefit of society, um, and to encourage people to go into this profession, because we all acknowledge we need doctors, so they exempted, Chazal exempted the doctor from any kind of uh, liability. But, Midine Shamayim, he is obligated. So it should have been the doctor's obligated for any kind of mistake. But they they exempted him. Um, however, Midine Shamayim, he does consider to bear some responsibility. And this is the way that it's presented in Shulchan Arach. If you look over here, Oisei, the Shulchan Aruch says that the Torah provides uh, permission for the doctor to heal, and it is a mitzvah to do so, and a person who doesn't do so is spilling blood and is in violation of the Pesach of Loisamar al-Dam However, says the Shulchan Aruch, Loi back in Oisei's second line, Ela imkein hubaki, shouldn't engage in refu unless the person knows what he's doing, Voyeheisham galamimenu, no one, you know, there shouldn't be a better doctor who's present. What does that mean? Every single case has to be referred to the chief of the department, is not sustainable. So many Paiskim explain that this is referring to a new case, something that we don't have protocols as to how to address it, something that's presenting for the first time, we're not sure how we should act, so then it should go to the, you know, to the chief of the department, and oftentimes doctors who are within a larger department will consult with the chief of the department when a new case comes up. Things that are routine, they are less likely to do so. But also what has to figure into the equation is it's simply impossible for one doctor to manage this kind of a load. So uh, it means whoever is the biggest bucky, the biggest expert, who is available? A lot of times, the greatest doctor in the world is not going to be available to all the patients. So you have to take the best doctor or the best knowledge that you have that is available. If there is a better doctor who is available and you know that, you should refer out. You should, you know, that's how members oftentimes will wait for the person who is the paramedic or someone else to come before doing certain procedures, which they are not, you know, as expert in as someone else might be. But if they're the first on scene and there are things that they have to take care of and the other guy's not here, they are the chief of the department for that moment and, they, you know, there isn't anybody who's available who is better than them. So over here, back in the show. Yeah. question I asked before, the converse, yeah. what's the doctor's responsibility? He should, if the other doctor's always, available or he's always, uncertain what the pr- protocol is. Always pass up to... I think doctors usually consult with people who have more experience if called for, right? You don't have to do it every single time, um, every ear infection, but if called for, then, then yeah. Over here, so I say back in the third line, can I raise the A person who fails to do that is a is If a person doesn't have a license for basin, then um, hubaki. But in Ripa Bishus Basin, if he has Rishus Basin, meaning if he received permission from the Basin to heal people, and we all recognize we need these kinds of individuals, um, because of the social benefit that, that's involved, and he makes a mistake, so if he was licensed, if we did say, you know what, we need this individual to heal the community, and he received that kind of designation, then he is Potter, even though he made a mistake. We're not talking about general medicine, which sometimes has unfortunate consequences for certain patients. That, for sure, he bears no responsibility. That's for But over here, even if a mistake was made, he's chayev b'dinei shamayim, he does bear responsibility in theory, but in practice, 
um, in practice. Well, uh, do, not. I mean by loneliness. Nothing. If I want to be a tzaddik, I should pay it. I can't. I have no idea. Chai b'dina shemaim. He's not chai b'dina yadam. But there's no mud. No, because then you're going to make every guy feel guilty. So then you lose the tikkun yadam. I don't want a guilt conscience. So when I get to yadam, I'm we'll deal with it. But, Isn't but there I an element of mechila by a patient going to a doctor? Why isn't there like a mechila, implicit mechila? He's Michael. He's Michael for regular things, routine. He's not Michael when the doctor, you know, well, has a bad day. No, I'm talking about the doctor doesn't heal. I'm not talking about the doctor doesn't heal. What doctor I'm not Michael. Doctor. When I go to the doctor, I'm not Michael. <laughs> I want him to heal me. If he does, if he makes a mistake, I'm not Michael. Why is there imprisonment with you? You don't sign a waiver. I'm not talking about when he makes a mistake. I'm about the doctor does proper, proper... You don't need a waiver. The Torah gave him a waiver. Ramban said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Yes, what about... Uh, Here he made a mistake. No, he made a mistake. Yes, before. Yeah, yeah, before surgery. For understandable, for consequences that are that are part and parcel of the procedure. You don't sign a waiver against malpractice. No, but yes, the other mood, the other part. Huh? The other mood, the other part. Yeah. No, why was he Michael on the toes? I'm not Michael. On the toes? Are you Michael on the toes? Who's Michael on the toes? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not Michael on that either. If he makes a mistake, so that's what Shochanar says. Though, but we need a doctor, so that because of that, they relieved him from this uh, obligation. However, that's why let me just finish over here. That's why the Rishus Bezin is critical. The Tosefta keeps making the point each time he has Rishus Bezin, he has permission, you know, a license from Bezin. When did medical licensing come, you know, become the convention? My understanding is that that's somewhat of a recent innovation in the last, you know, a thousand years or so. I guess that's called recent. Uh, yeah, yeah, the 13th century, that's when medical licensing uh, began. Um, but that kind of licensing already existed in the Tosefta, right, is even earlier than that. But it, they had a kind of rishus basin. They understood that there was some social benefit to this. Today, though, this takanas basin, the basin over here in his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch writes, that is translated into the title of a doctor. It says over here, wrote Salomar, Im sham the at the end of the in the brackets, if the community, the, you know, the state has given him permission to heal patients, what we call in Germany, doctorate. So if he's called a doctor, then he has considered to be a beneficiary of this Takana's basin. The Arach makes the same point. If you flip the page, so you see Gimel. The Arach says, He has to receive smicha, which means his doctorate from the government, and then he's considered to be licensed to practice medicine. We all recognize that we need him uh, for this, and any kind of toes he makes, he will be exempted from. However, the Taisefta said, if he's back in Oisir if he does something that's more than appropriate, even keeping in mind the Takana's Basin, then he would be liable. So that's the way that's been interpreted by the Pais is that even if a person has a license, and we all recognize we need doctors, and sometimes they'll make mistakes, you know, errors of, you know, that, that, are, that are understandable, human error, um, at the same time, there is something which is gross negligence, where even the Takana's Basin, even the license to practice medicine, even, you know, this social contract that we have with the doctors would not cover an exemption in those situations. What is considered to be gross negligence versus regular negligence? So the Tash Bates, uh, from the end of the period of the Rishonim over here, Oisidawit, gives us a hint, which is picked up by many other uh, Paiskim. The Tash Bates says over here that, 
if other doctors understand that this is not something that most people experience when practicing medicine, you wouldn't envision, you know, sometimes people make slight mistakes, they're not concentrating, they're a little bit lazy, so they make a mistake here or there. Even though it is a mistake, we understand we need to exempt doctors because of that, because otherwise no one will ever go into the practice of medicine. But there are some mistakes that are simply not foreseeable. No one would ever imagine a doctor makes some mistake. You know, operate on, on, on one leg when the operation is supposed to be on the, on the other leg. Even though we know that does happen, one could consider that to kind of be a gross negligence. Or, you know, the other situation, not a doctor in the field to know, but says the Tashbait, you should ask other doctors, what is something that, you know, is an acceptable mistake for a doctor to make, what is not? And whatever is considered to be gross negligence, the person would be obligated. But coming back to the, the, the final thing is the, is the Good Samaritan, which is not a Jewish, by the way, phrase, but okay, we'll leave that for now. But um, is the case of the Good Samaritan. So look over here, there's some safer over here, Oist huh? But Good Samaritan's anti-Jewish. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. In the book of Luke, thank you. Yeah, 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 I'm aware. So over here, the says, yeah. some safer deals with a case of a uh, woman who came upon a patient or, you know, uh, was, you know was actually the, the person she worked for, and she passed out. The way you revived people in those days was you gave them schnapps. That was what you did. I guess that was the best medicine had to provide. So, but by accident, in fetching the schnapps, she took the kerosene that was used to light the uh, candles, you know, in the house, and she killed the woman. And she wanted to know if she bears any kind of responsibility, la shamayim. So the Samsoifer exempts her from, from responsibility. Why? Seems to be pretty bad, right? Pretty bad. At least for one thing, grabbed, you know, something else, grabbed entirely poison. Why, why, why is that okay? So there are those that have suggested what the Samsoifer is saying is along the lines of the Tashbait, who says something that's also quite problematic. The Tashbait says, look carefully at the language of the Tashbait, where, uh, where the Uman should have been obligated, but was exempt because of a Takanas Beisin, where the Tashbait kept referring to him as an Uman, an Uman, a craftsman. So maybe the doctor only bears responsibility for any kind of malpractice if he's an Uman, if he's a surgeon, or if he's administering the therapy himself. But, uh, you know, he's cutting into the person. But let's say he's just giving a medication, or certainly if he's prescribing a medication. Over here, in the case of the woman who was pouring, you know, giving her a drink of what she thought was, you know, brandy and turned out to be, you know, kerosene, but she wasn't cutting into her. You can't call an internist a craftsman. So then maybe they bear no responsibility. That distinction of the Tash Bates is very difficult. The Birka Yosef quotes it. And he says the Shulchan Aruch didn't mention this kind of distinction between an uman, between a person who's a surgeon or any other internist who's prescribing another medication. And the difference, you know, is, is very, is very difficult, um, is very difficult to accept. There are those, though, that take the touch, you know, the, who, who go even further and reject, uh, you know, and, and, and obligate the doctor, not only when he administers medication, but even if he prescribes medication. Rabbi Zalman Nechemi Goldberg the son of Shomazama printed an article in Truman where he writes if a doctor prescribes medication or advises a certain procedure, even if he doesn't administer the medication himself or perform the procedure himself, if he simply prescribed the procedure, which itself you know, was wrong, erroneous in this situation, if it was grossly negligent on his part, then he could be obligated simply by prescribing the medication, even if it wasn't administered. Rabbi Bleich, in his uh, writings and tradition, argues, he says, come on, a lot of times doctors prescribe one thing, advise a certain procedure, people go to get a second opinion. You can't just really draw a direct line from the prescription, the advice of the doctor, to what actually is going to take place on the ground. I think one could distinguish between some circumstances and other circumstances. Some circumstances, you can draw a direct line. If the doctor prescribes it, the patient will do it. Other cases, it seems like you can't necessarily draw a direct line. It might be Groma Benazikin. He might be, you know, have some sort of, you know, cause the, the damage. But I don't know if you could necessarily call him directly responsible. But either way... 
the argument of the Tashbeitz, you know, is very difficult. So why is it that the Chassam Seifer felt that this woman who poured, you know, gave her a drink of kerosene is potter? So the, I think the Chassam Seifer over here at the end, you know, gives us the reason. The Chassam Seifer says, because if you're going to obligate her in this situation, no one will ever help anybody because of the responsibility that's involved. So because of the same motivations, because married in law, we want people to help others in the state of distress. They might actually be... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they might actually be obligated to step in if you can help a person. I don't know if right, you're saying you know, if there isn't an immediate need, time, right? but if there is an immediate need, we don't have time necessarily to seek other people's help. The Pasuk seems to enjoin us to you know, intercede if there's no one else who's more qualified. Um, and we should understand that in those situations, people will make mistakes that a doctor, we would never accept that kind of mistake where he was supposed to give a medicine, medication instead gave kerosene. But this person who's not initiated into, you know, how to sh- function in stressful situations and isn't, you know, necessarily, um, you know, th- as trained as a, you know, as, as, a, as a doctor, the range of what is considered to be gross negligence versus what is acceptable negligence, an acceptable mistake, is larger. We have to give them larger leeway because we want people to be engaged in the, you know, in, in helping others. But either way, whether we're at first on scene, you know, a good Samaritan person that doctors, what he does is profession, there's <coughs> welcome to give us Shiatu Dishmaya to shoot all the patients successfully and partner with Hashem in this thing. <laughs>